My name is Carly and I am an entrepreneur. These are the real, raw, and honest stories of myself, my colleagues, and my dearest friends, how we followed our dreams and continue to scale the mountain of success every day. Learn what it takes to make the next step and join us on the climb. Get ready to pull up your boss straps because this is Bossy Club. Everyone, this is Amanda James of Amanda James Rydal. Hello. Hi. Hi. We have known each other for over a year. Crazy. Yeah. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you. I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey with this like amazing company that you've created out of Los Angeles. Thank you. Yeah. Um, well, I've been designing for a long time. Yeah. Starting with uh, gluing together some Barbie clothes. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that part. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> My young life career. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, continued designing dresses into like high school and college for myself and friends. And then um, actually when I was going to fit them downtown, I was also working at Fred Siegel in Santa, Santa Monica, mm-hmm. R.I.P., no yeah. longer there anymore. Oh, sad. it's not? No. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I need to catch up on my fashion. On retail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Clearly, I haven't been shopping in a while. <laughs> and one of the girls that I worked with, I remember I designed my first white dress for her. It was strapless. I think it was wow. taffeta. It had black piping. It, it's it's stuck in my memory. Whoa. For her wedding or like for just a just, dress? I don't even remember what it was for. Oh but it was gosh. like my first dress that I designed like for someone else for a real event, not just like, let's fuck around and have fun. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> and that was many years ago. That then. was many years ago. Yeah, that okay. was when I was in, that was like in uh, school. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, fit him. Yeah. Fit him. And then you were in, you like did designing for another company. Yeah. My first job out of college was with Haley Bob Mm -hmm. women's contemporary ready to wear. And, uh, and then I was designing ready to wear for 13 years. And so that sort of launched my career officially. Yeah. Forgive my ignorance. What's ready to wear. Ready to wear is like off the rack. Oh, okay. Got you. Yeah. So like Like going into (laughs) 99% of the stores is ready to wear. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you, I remember in the previous conversations, you went back and forth to um, the, the warehouses and the factories and all of that too, right? Like you were yeah. really in it. Yeah. I got to take a really deep dive into design and like travel to New York and Paris and India and China and Japan and Indonesia and visit our contractors and distributors and work with the mills and the factories to design beading layouts and the weave of the textile and embroideries and velvet burnouts and lurics jacquards and all that stuff. So it like gave me a really deep appreciation and understanding of the technical aspect of the job, you know? And so that's really helped me moving forward. And it also made me fall even more in love with luxurious fabrics and texture rich novel textiles and yeah. Uh, yeah. So it, I mean, I know it's one thing to be like an incredible designer, but it's another thing to also like jump off of the cliff, start your own line of dresses and like kill it right off the bat. So I want to know how that like mentally was for you as you were, you know, thinking of kind of doing it to then launching it and then surprises along the way, which we can kind of dive in more into it with other questions I have, but 
Yeah. So uh, how did it all start? Yeah. How did it all start? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm like, here's 85 questions and then I'll backtrack. Uh, I guess it all started. Well, it's all started the last position that I had like full time for someone else working for someone else. I was a design director for this big mass market private label company and we were just pumping product out. It was like 200 styles a month, 70 pieces of artwork a month for the prints we did just this constant flow of output. Yeah. And when I left, I was so burnt out Mm -hmm. and just like as cheesy as it sounds, creatively depleted didn't know what I liked didn't know what I thought was important like didn't really even know what area I wanted to move into in the design world and so and actually what's funny about that job too is before it I did um like a year and a half of freelance design and Mm -hmm. while I was doing that I started toying with the idea of making some of my own styles And so I started working with a factory and the day that I got the box of like first round of development was the day that I accepted this new design director position. Didn't like, maybe I took the tape off the box, but like didn't open anything up and look at it. And then when I left, I was like, well, I guess it's, I guess I'm going to open up this box and see what's in here. Whoa. And, and, and I was like, I'm just going to take a month or two and, make a couple pretty dresses and just like play with fabric and just start, you know, messing around a little bit to see what I wanted to do. And then after like two weeks of that, I I was like, I feel totally aimless. I need to have a goal. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do, I'm just going to make a collection. I'm just going to go for it. I talked to my husband. We don't have kids yet. I have, you know, over a decade of experience under my belt at that point. So it was enough to feel comfortable launching something of my own but I'm still young enough that I have the energy to put into a brand new business that we're personally financing and not don't have investors for you know so I knew it was going to be a lot of hard work and if I didn't try then I felt like later I might miss this like window of opportunity yeah and so I just jumped in and did it and that was about was that just a over a year ago or am I so I launched the collection a year and a half ago and I started working on it officially like a year before. Oh my gosh. Eight, eight months to a year before that, yeah. And your stuff, we've, we've have brides who have your dresses. Um, I'm so excited I'm for this so year. Excited. And we've shot with your wedding, with your dresses all over the globe. Like a lot of our last year's photo shoots and some of our brides and stuff have worn your stuff and have, it's on our website. And it is bar none, some of the best dresses I've ever seen and it's so unique but it's timeless it's not it's it's just like it's a perfect collection it really is and it was cool to see today coming in and pulling stuff like I haven't seen this yet Ooh, what if we do this what if I do that I gotta show my brides this you know I love it I love it so much (laughs) thank you it it really does mean a lot yeah Yeah. it's it's been really cool to like like work with you since conception of it Mm -hmm. um what has been some like challenges along the way because I know when I start anything there's this sort of gymnastics mentally of if I do this, 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 and this, it'll be fine. And then the reality (laughs) is there's a hundred other things that pop up and it's like, ah, (laughs) what were some of those things that you can encourage listeners to like look out for or just, yeah. I think one of the biggest challenges for me was, I mean, it's sort of obvious in retrospect, but 
I guess on a broader scale time in general yeah and on a on like a more narrow example like I since I'm sort of three things in one where I'm a a brand a boutique and um a workroom you know and so most bridal boutiques you go in and you order your dress and the boutique is placing the order with a brand like me yeah and then or like a bride is taking a dress that she's bought and is taking it to a tailor for alterations and each part of the process is separate Mm -hmm. and so with a company like mine it's all three rolled into one yeah and so I'm balancing my vendors my seamstresses my clients my fittings my marketing like and then all the other stuff that always comes with business yeah but like you know clients want to see me on the weekends and my vendors need to work with me during the week and so you know I mean I think I'm here from like <laughs> eight to eight seven six days a week yeah you know yeah. just to try to get it all done so figuring out that balance and then also not hit burnout yeah you know and making no sure I've structured time off which is so important but very difficult to achieve as you know yeah and uh so I think the I think the amount of weekends that I'm working is coming a little bit as a surprise to me just because I I mean it it, like I just didn't think it would be quite as tricky to jigsaw all of the parts together yeah given the nature of the kind of business I have interesting yeah yeah I've had to really be very very disciplined about the time that I take off and structure it where my clients do know that. Um, and it's, it's also just very encouraging when a client gets an email on a Monday and they go, why are you emailing me? It's your day off. I'm like, thank you. You know, I've done it. (laughs) I've I've trained them well. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, there is something about, you know, if you are passionate about your job, it doesn't feel like work, but then you have to, you have to unplug. You have like to. no matter if you love it or you don't, it's mm-hmm. like too much of a good thing sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you, yeah, I mean, I think there's also seasons where you have to kind of go, this is eight days a week. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think um, that, I mean, that makes total sense to me, but I'm curious too, like, what is the... Um, like a misunderstanding. So like in the wedding planning world, there is this sort of, you know, or misunderstandings of like what we do, what we don't do. Um, and And then when people actually see what we do on the day of, they're like, oh my gosh, you're so valuable. So it's really hard to see the value in it as you pitch to a client and like throughout the process. And then they really fully start to understand as you're like actually putting things together for them. So with seamstress work and design work, what is some common misunderstandings when when you're dealing with? Well, I think actually sort of even in the phrasing of the question is what I are is the same question that I get from brides where they're not really quite sure what to expect from the process because you know, you can just go to a seamstress and have a dress made, but a dress maker and a design company are very different things. So, you know, you can go to a tailor or a seamstress and have a dress altered or try to have something made. But unless they have the setup to actually get it done, taking an idea to completion is a very technical process. And you Mm. have to balance this, uh, you know, idea and innovation with the technical know-how to make sure that the end result is sort of looking like the sketch, you know? (laughs) And I think that a lot like some of those horror stories that I've heard is when people go to 
uh, more of a dressmaker or even like a seamstress, you know, my, my, my career has been working with a lot of sewing rooms. And so I understand how to hire seamstresses, which ones know what, because each aspect of the dressmaking process also comes with a very specific technical niche. So one seamstress may be really good at lace applique. Another one may be really good at corset construction because they have like a lighter touch in their sewing, you know, and now there's like working with silk is very different than working with lace or Jersey knits or whatever. So even when I'm hiring seamstresses, I'm very aware of what they're able to do. And you don't want to ask people to do something that they're not good at. Yeah. And so you sort of build this team to make sure that the end result is going to be what you want. So the benefit of coming a bride coming to someone like me is that I'm able to sort of do that for them. And I'm a designer. So they can say, I sort of have these three ideas. I don't know even do they work together? Do they not? Mm -hmm. And be like, yeah, girl, let's do it. Or like, what about this? Have you thought of this and bring some of my expertise to the, to the table. And then of course they can also, you know, buy pieces from the collection as they are, which, um, which brides do also. Yeah. Yeah. I know when we've talked about it, you know, in years or in months past, you had talked about having different people do different things. And that just kind of blew my mind because I'm thinking, oh, you would just make it, you know, but having that awareness. But that is how, you know, any profession is when you start to really break it down is there's these little professions within the overall profession that you're like, oh, that is why it costs X. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Yeah. And actually, and on that, the cost note too, I think this year when I launch my new collection, I'm going to sort of change my pricing structure a little bit so that it's more approachable for different brides Mm -hmm. and also really um, sort of sets up packages so that they understand, like before we even start anything, they understand and have the option as to like what level of service they would like. Yeah. So for example, you know, the 12 looks that are in my collection all also have a size chart that goes with it. And if you fit into this, a perfect, you know, your proportions are, are a size eight, you can just buy the dress as is, or if the, or if it's close enough and you want to get it tailored somewhere else, you want to price around for alterations costs, that'll be, you know, tier one. And then the second tier would be what's, so that's called made to order when Mm -hmm. something is made to order, but there's no customization. Okay. And then like bespoke made to measure would be, I take all of your specs, you know, my spec sheet is crazy. It's like 35 different measurements that I take (laughs) on your body and literally build the pattern so that it's sculpted for your body. Yeah. And then, and the alterations are included in that. And then the third tier would be more like a couture level we're designing it from the bottom up, custom patterns, custom embroidery. Yeah. We're flying some lace in from France and having it completely beaded or, you know, whatever it is. So that there's, you still feel like you're getting something special because each piece is made per order anyway, but then you can opt in or out of the yeah. additional services. And that's, that's a brilliant plan. <laughs> Good job, Amanda. <laughs> like, I love that. I love being able to say, here's options for it every tier and that really you know invites 
brides to, you know, it's just so stressful, like wedding planning and like the whole cost of it and the shock of it. And to have those options, I think sometimes brides feel cornered into, well, this is my only price point that I have. And what are, you know, otherwise I, I'm either in debt or, (laughs) you know, I'm don't get it. Mm -hmm. So to have that option, I think is brilliant. Hey guys, it's your girl, Carly. I'm here to tell you about the coolest flower delivery service that exists. It's my sister company, Primary Petals. You may have heard of Primary Petals before, but did you know that we are going nationwide? It's an amazing service that sends really cool and unique flowers to anyone's doorstep in the lower 48. Guys, we have sent to every state and every bouquet has arrived so beautiful and so fresh, which if you know, is no small feat for shipping flowers. For my listeners, I'm giving 10% off using code BOSSYCLASS at checkout. If you want to learn more, please visit primarypetals.com. And I'm curious too, like in terms of just forecasting collections and if, and I think I would assume based on your skill of over years and years of like watching, you know, different fabrics and patterns and whatnot, like you would be super good at being able to tell what brides like, but I am like, how do you do that? How do you do like, how do you tell the future? Like, like what's your process with that? Like, do you watch the fashion? Do you, I don't know. I do watch the fashion. I think, um, you know, just like anything creative, rarely does it, does the spark come out of the blue. Everything is sort of a progression on itself. So you're always like learning from the past collection. You know, if you have an influx of brides asking for minimalist silk gowns and all you've got are fully embroidered whatever, then you know that you need to be incorporating some other elements. So like, that's a a more obvious example, but I think just going with your, your gut and, and like knowing those things are true. And as long as you're listening and keep your eyes open, like you get that moment of butterflies in your stomach when you're like, Oh, that's good. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah. 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 And so I think it's just making sure you're like learning from what you've designed before listening to the information that people are telling you and actually figuring out how to incorporate it with newness. Yeah. That's actually a great way to look at it. And I, I guess I kind of resonate with that with the wedding trends too and think, okay, what are people asking? You know, like last year it was taco trucks and pizza carts every wedding, you know? And then this year it's like, nah, (laughs) you're like, okay. (laughs) Um, so the other the other kind of question that I find really interesting because I'm a very self-motivated person is how do you stay self-motivated? Like, do you have any like secret tips, weapons? Well, there must be you? a common thread here because I also am very self-motivated and really independent, like have always been. Even in like in your junior DNA. high was like scheduling my homework out every day by the hour. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. So, so, so totally yeah, the same So person. nerdy. Yeah. And <laughs> so I've never had a problem with like, being motivated. Um, but I think that I've also learned throughout my career how to capitalize on, uh, productivity. Yeah. And so like, I know that I am deadline motivated also. And so I calendar out my week, year and months between to make sure that I can get everything done and having those goals so far out. And then also day to day, you almost don't even have to think about being motivated because there's so much to do. Yeah, totally. So you're like, Oh, I've got this schedule. I've just got to stick to it and do it. And then I also know that I'm very social and very collaborative. So I 
love having a team around me. I love having experts around me. I want dialogue. It's actually one of the great things, too, about now working directly with clients versus the companies that I worked with in the past. They're, you know, these big, giant companies, and so there's a separate sales team. The retail stores are sort of totally separate, and as a designer, I'm sort of in a separate world. Yeah. And so now to be able to interact with the clients directly and talk yeah. to them, I feed off of it, and, and that also makes me more motivated. Yeah. That's such a good way to look at it too. And I think, you know, I'm the same way. It's like when I have a lot of things going on, it's actually way easier for me to stay on top of it. Definitely. Like when it's like, oh, I have like one meeting today or like this or that. I'm like, I don't know which way is up. Like I strut, <laughs> I like thrive off of the like and just I think, I think stacked schedule. Definitely. And that's even, even when I was thinking about launching, I think that's what was sort of the same thought process now that we're talking about it was like, Initially, I just wanted to be inspired. I was like, oh, I'll just make a dress or two. And then after a week, I was like, nope, it's got to be a collection. It's got to be a business. I'm doing it. Totally. When you, um, when you talk to entrepreneurs or people starting out in any creative field, I'm, I'm throwing this curveball at you Ooh. question. So what would you say is like just encouragement for them in, in that of like, should they plan it out? Should they go for it? Should they do research? <laughs> I think you for sure can't ignore like the money part of it. You have to be really realistic with how much money you're going to be spending to (laughs) jump into something. Because if you don't, you're going to spend too much and then you're not going to have, you're not going to have the longevity. So you have to be smart about your capital, right? That would be my first piece of advice. And then the second would be um, to sort of be clear about what you're doing, Mm -hmm. you know, and have like, you need to have your demographic. You need to know who you're selling it to, the yes. thing, the service or the thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think that having those constraints makes it a lot easier to chip away, create a checklist and then chip away at it. Yeah. And makes the goal of launching this thing more realistic. Yeah. That's really good advice. Thank you. Um, so what, in terms of 2020 collection and what you're up to because I know you always got something in the works I want to know what we can expect from you in this coming up year we can look out for well I have a new collection that I'm going to be launching in April May okay it's probably going to be May and I'm very excited about it I just am getting my fabrics in now I have some really pretty embroideries and beadings and yummy new tools and I think what I've learned from this last collection, you know, people are really responding to the pieces in my collection that are really special Hmm. that are like really special gowns or really special pantsuits. And so uh, initially I peppered in some other pieces that were a little bit more minimal or commercial and those aren't the pieces that are selling. Yeah. And sometimes you don't know, you have to test everything because you're not sure when you're starting out, you're not sure what people are going to ultimately respond to you in in a sales way. Yeah. So I put like my Jasmine pantsuit, I put that in there cause I thought it was fucking cool and like knew that people would like it or I had a feeling that it would be liked, Yeah. but I didn't think it would be like a bestseller because it's, it's like, it's a statement, you know, Yeah. to wear pants to your wedding and oh. strapless and beat it. And it's like, it's, gorgeous. it's not traditional and it's my number one seller. And so those types of things, you know, I'm listening 
and yep. will be pushing that direction. Wow. And that's the thing too, I've learned is listening to your audience and what they want because they're the people that are paying for it. Yep. They're paying for those items. So, you know, I do that with flowers too. I, what are they buying? What are they buying over and over and over? Okay. That's the, that's the answer. And then, and then the challenge is how do we make it new? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so exciting. I'm really excited to see your collection. You. And then also in 2020, I am now working with a boutique in New Jersey. So good. So excited for that. We developed, um, a plus size, uh, range for them. So any, I mean, anything is always available in any size through me, but this is like, they have samples in size 16 brides know they can go there and try that on. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. So I'm really excited. They opened their doors in March. It's called Wander Atelier. Wow. Check it out. East Coast Brides. So cool. And then uh, what else do I got coming up in 2020? I was just uh, published in California Wedding Day. What's up? So please go get a copy of the Spring Summer 2020 issue that just came out last week. I'm going right now. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> See you later. Bye. <laughs> You're like, uh, we're not done yet. <laughs> so exciting, Amanda. Um, do you have time for some lightning round, some fun questions? Let's do it. Oh my gosh. Okay. So a couple nerdy questions that I always like geek out over is what, what's your like, what time do you get up in the morning? What's your routine? Like, how do you get started? So I, um, naturally am not a like wake up and perky. I'm perky morning person. Sure. Uh, but you, you just have to be. So <laughs> I wake up at around six thirty. Yeah. And then if I work out, maybe it's five thirty. Yeah. And, um, I'm usually downtown by eight. Yeah. And then if I, on an off day, maybe I'm sleeping till eight or nine. <laughs> My weekends that I'm not working. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, have you read any good books lately or listened to any bo- good books? Yes. I'm constantly on Audible. And I love audiobooks. I listen to Educated. I just finished that this it's week. so good. It's insane. Memoirs by non-famous people are my favorite genre. Cool. In general. And so that was like right up my alley already. And it is so, I mean, it's so good. Yeah. It's so good. It's fantastic. And right now I'm listening actually to, I'm listening to Stephen King's um, memoir on the craft of writing because I find that the, that writers, the way that they talk about their craft is actually very similar in process to design. And like one of the lines in his book was he was um, talking about one of his first jobs and advice that his boss at that time gave him. He was proofreading something. And he told Stephen King, like, you know, your first draft is for you. You Hmm. write that for you. You get the story out as you see it. Second draft and as you're editing, that's for the reader. Hmm. And it's so true for anything that you're putting out in the world. Absolutely. You know, you got to get whatever is inside of you out. And like your vision, but then you tweak and you edit. You have to do that. Absolutely. It's it's like just as important. Yeah. So that like really resonated with me. Wow. Cool. I I really resonate with that with primary petals because we started one way um, and then, you know, we pivoted and it's okay. And Mm -hmm. it's like totally fine. Let's just like get it out into the world and like adjust and listen to our audience because we, again, you got to test it out. Totally. That's awesome. I'm going to have to read that book or listen or whatever. Um, What do you do in your free time? With the little free time you have. <laughs> well, I love hobbies and I love exploring the city. And I tend to be a little bit of a, like, I like to get out and do things. And so 
I'm looking for a new 2020 hobby, but some of Ooh. my past hobbies have included. <laughs> uh, I w- I garden all the time. I have like plants all over my house. So I do that. It was part of a community garden for a while oh. at, by the Santa Monica airport. I was part of um, the Los Angeles Sail Club. Cool. Which sailed out of Marina Del Rey. Um, I ran the Santa Barbara sprint triathlon a couple years ago. So, and, and to do, to train for that, I joined the LA tri club and they did like beach workouts and ocean swims. And so that was like a really fun way to work out and like be a part of the community and the city and stuff. So I don't know. I don't have, I don't have my, my hobby goal set this year. I'm open to suggestions. (laughs) (laughs) dressage yeah yeah I have no idea I I where I'm at right now which is not at all like out in the community I can't wait I'm really into puzzles lately like super geeking out on puzzles I don't it's like a thing with my brain it's like I feel the the brain neurons connecting I feel challenged but it's nothing to do with work like I'm totally geeking out interesting i <laughs> could give that a go i'm 80 years old we're starting we people in long beach community are starting a puzzle swap because it's expensive you're like okay i do this puzzle once and then what do i do with it swap it with your friend i love that idea so there's your community element i love if you want to start we can swap puzzles. i am so in great we could get a puzzle made of your dress i don't know <laughs> <laughs> It's definitely not a triathlon, but you know, brain, brain af- athletic stuff. Um, oh my god! So, where can we find you online and learn more about the collection? And kind of watch for all the new stuff coming up. You can watch for new stuff probably on my Instagram is the best place, and that's Amanda James Design. And then my website that um, you know talks about the brand and the collection is AmandaJamesBridal.com. Wow. Easy peasy. Easy peasy. Oh, it's so pretty, guys. You have to check it out. Thank you so, so, so much for like letting me into your shop and or your studio. It's a gorgeous studio, by the way. Well, thank you, Carly. <laughs> it's been so special getting to know you. Oh, and thanks, having Amanda. you in. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm going to start crying. Okay, bye, guys. <laughs> bye. This podcast is edited and published by the Primary Petal Studios, written and hosted by Carly Ray Williams. Show notes are located at our website, carlyrayweddings.com forward slash bossy class. If you like what you heard today, subscribe, rate and review us. Sign up for our newsletter to receive exclusive content and bonus episodes. Thanks for joining us as we scale the mountain of success. This is Bossy Class.